I'm Katie Bennett-Stanton, a senior B2B marketer with 20 years experience across the UK, United States and Asia Pacific. Last year, I was fortunate to spend three months with Deloitte in Chicago. And during that time, I was delighted to have the opportunity to spend time with a number of global experts. Throughout that period, I, I interviewed a range of leaders and shared their thought-provoking, relevant and influential takeaways weekly. Now that I'm back in Melbourne, the Katie Talks conversation with influencers continues. And today's is going to be really interesting. I'm speaking with Emily Bates, who is a marketing director, CMO, vision leader, a brand specialist, CXO and non-executive director. Emily is also an, ex an inspiring and visionary leader with 20 years of marketing experience. She's known for her ability to galvanise people towards a common goal and drive action and accountability. Emily is an active leader in the marketing industry. She judges a number of industry award programs and her pedigree includes many years in financial services, including Commonwealth Bank, Macquarie and Colonial First State. Emily is also a graduate of the AICD with experience as a non-executive director, chair of a board delegated committee and committee member for both financial services and not-for-profit board communities. Committees rather. Emily, welcome. Thank you so much, Katie. It's good to be talking to you. I'm really excited about the conversation. We've got a number of interesting topics that uh, personally I've been interested to understand more about and um, and I know that, that they're the questions that some, some of our listeners have been keen to explore a little as well. So, Emily, one thing that we have in common is that we are both incredibly passionate about marketing. Why do you love it so much? I think it's just in my DNA. It's something I've wanted to do since I was a kid doing work experience at um, Pat's and at Agency in Sydney. And I think it's because it allows me to use um, my creativity, but it channels it towards a purpose. And for me, that's the key difference. Because if you're just going to be creative without a strategy or a purpose, it's just art. And so I love the fact that marketing lets me be curious. I'm a naturally curious kind of person and I love the fact it lets me get into the head of our target audience and really understand what makes them tick, lets me form some insights and then use those insights to craft compelling communications. There's this view out there that marketing is just the colouring in department for some places and I am not up for that at all. No. Um, for me, I think marketing works best when it's got a seat at the table and it can actually help form a marketing strategy that's based on business objectives and that's when the real value is added and that's what gets me really excited. I, I couldn't agree more with you, um, I mean, on all of those fronts, but particularly having a seat at the table. I've, over a, a lot of years, worked in roles where marketing has a seat at the table and uh, conversely hasn't and, and the the value that it's able to that we're able to deliver when when we are involved in the strategic discussions and helping to shape the agenda makes makes a massive difference. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I see it time and time again. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Emily, one of the elements of your career that really interests me is your involvement with a number of boards and I'm really interested in this. What value can a marketer bring to today's boards? I think there's a 
tremendous amount of value when marketers or any other career professions that are different to the traditional join a board. Um, but the key thing for me is marketing brings customer-centric thinking. And I think we can all agree that a lot of businesses would be in a better position if customers were always kept central and we always acted in their best interest. Um, that doesn't mean we don't run profitable businesses, but it does mean that we help create a sustainable one. And I think the way marketers think, we are always thinking about the customer and having that as a, I guess, a sense check when conversations are happening and when decisions are being made. Um, but that's also about diversity of thinking and traditionally boards have been filled with legal risk and finance professionals. And that's hugely important and it's valid and there's a lot of great reasons for that and those our skills are necessary at the board level. But I think adding people who bring a fresh viewpoint is also important. They may be marketers, um, they might be some other professions that haven't traditionally sat at the board table, but I think it's that diversity of thinking that the stats show drive uh, better business performance. And then finally, it's just creative thinking. Marketers are um, generally creative thinkers, and again, I'm not talking about the colouring in department, but bringing those fresh ideas and a different way of approaching strategic problems that businesses face, I think that's why it's um, more and more businesses are recognising the importance of having a marketer on the board. I, I agree with you. What, what first got you interested in, in boards and, and becoming more involved in, in that sort of realm? I think it's the ability to be involved at the strategic stage rather than just at the end where it's purely executional. For me, I find it hugely rewarding to be able to follow um, right from the beginning where there's a business problem right through to execution. Um, I've been fortunate enough in my career to be able to serve on a number of um, boards and committees as part of my day job. So um, whether that's on um, the Committee for the Commonwealth Bank Foundation they're um, not-for-profit or uh, on the risk committee. Um, these are things where I've been exposed to that and I got to see how it worked. And then I, I wanted to get to learn more about it and that's when I started um, my study. Okay, and, and talk to me a bit more about your study. I mean, you know, the more senior that we get, we marketers get, we we tend to start to get more exposure to boards. But what's what has the course added to you as as a marketer? How how has it evolved the way that you work? Um, I did the uh, Australian Institute of Company Directors course, um, the graduate course, and I found that so enjoyable. I think it's probably been a course that I have um, the most enjoyable course I've done in a number of years, and I've done a lot of training courses. <laughs> but I think I think it was the fact that it was not about sitting there and listening to a bunch of course um, content. You were given I think fourteen hundred pages of pre-reading, which you really had to absorb before you got to the actual face-to-face -face classes. Oh. And so the starting point for that was that you knew all of the content and you were there to have a robust conversation and really toss about ideas and, and discuss how things were happening in the real life and really debating the issues. So I found that um, really enjoyable because it, it got me thinking in a way that I haven't had to do in a, in a while. It was just a different way of working. Um, but I did it 
I think primarily because I wanted to round up my CV and bring some more business acumen to my skill set. So I found the course hugely um, valuable from that perspective. Mm -hmm. It really helped, you know, you're doing intensive modules in risk management, in finance, in legal. And, you know, as a marketer, you have to be across all those areas anyway. You You will not get very far. (laughs) You will not get very far if you're not... Um, thinking about the legal implications of no. campaign, no, um, and especially at the moment in financial services, I mean it is all about prudent risk management. Um, but I, I felt quite chuffed. I came out of that course and sitting all the exams, and my risk person said I was the most risk savvy marketer he'd met. And you know, in this environment, <laughs> I'm taking that as a great compliment. I I damn well think you should take that as a <laughs> as a, as a compliment. Um, and and. Had you worked with with said risk person prior to undertaking the course? I had. um, I had. I've been, well, you know, in marketing, you work with risk and legal people all the time, um, whether it's through um, the sign-off process for marketing content or whether it's discussing new product or um, I worked on a, a big program around trying to lift the risk maturity of the marketing department as a whole because... Um, you know, it's not always the case that marketers value the input of risk and legal professionals and that's just not something that is constructive and certainly, no. as I said, in this environment in financial services, it, it is something that is part of everybody's role um, and it protects the brand and I'm passionate about brands. So yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're coming from the viewpoint of, of risk or legal or marketing. Um, we are all trying to build a sustainable business and protect our brand. Um, so we have to we have to be well-rounded and we have to think about things from all the different perspectives. Oh, you're right. And, and to be really cognizant of what any strategy or campaign looks like or some of the, you know, what some of the implications might be from, from a risk and legal perspective are, are critical. And, you know, I would probably say of myself that that's that's a grounding that I've really um, established particularly over the last five years and I guess partly that sort of also comes down to increasing levels of seniority too. Yeah absolutely there is there is no way that you can be a leader in today's industry without um, understanding the importance of risk management and of course financials i mean that's just yeah that's well how you that's the starting point <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah and you know it goes back to goes back to the reason that marketers are here is ultimately to add to the bottom of to the bottom line mm, absolutely mm. but in a sustainable way i like to stress that i think there's a um there can be a tendency to be too much focus on just getting out the next campaign and that's important um but it has to be done in a way that is going to build the overall brand, build the overall um, strength of the business and not do anything that's going to sacrifice long-term sustainability in favour of a quick buck. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, building on from that a little bit, what would you say has been the biggest turning point in your career? Oh, turning point. Um, I think many years ago, I had been a successful marketer for for many years and I've been kicking goals and I thought I was eating a bit Um, and my executive general manager took me aside and said yeah you're an awesome marketer um, but I need you to focus on building followership 
I need you to focus on making people want to follow you as a leader rather than that old school command and control style of management. And I'll be honest, I was a bit shocked. It was the first bit of real constructive feedback I'd got in my career. It was okay. all just, you know, nice pats on the back for being a good marketer. And But it was so, so valuable. That piece of feedback was wonderful. Um, and it was a turning point in my career. And the thing that made it so important to me is she then backed it up by introducing me to my first executive coach, who was the fabulous Margie Hartley. And she worked on me, uh, with me on that, about building this um, style of leadership that is about building a following um, amongst the team. And if I look back, it was probably, um, I'd say it was definitely those management skills that I built through that point in my career that have got me where I am today. And it's helped me build engaged, high-performance teams and it's also allowed me in some uh, situations to lead through influence rather than direct um, management, which is even tougher because people don't have to do what you're asking them to do. Um, but it's about making them want to work with you. And I think that's just been such an important skill that I learned. And if I hadn't had that feedback all those years ago and the follow-through with the support... Mm -hmm. Um, I would be possibly just someone who was focused on marketing and not focused on marketing and leadership. That that sounds like a pretty fantastic manager you had at the time. What what were some of the what what? Sorry, that's let me try that again. <laughs> Talk to me. I'd love to understand a little bit more about what what you developed, what skills you developed in terms of developing followers through that process. What are the two or three key takeaways? If you um, I think. Pull it down. Yeah. Look, one that's I think really tangible that uh, Maki always talks about is going into conversations or meetings with an intent. And what do you intend um, for yourself? What do you intend for the other person? And then for the relationship. Mm -hmm. And when you've got some important conversations or meetings, if you really think about it from um, those three perspectives, and think about perhaps plan out what you're wanting for for yourself for the others and for the relationship you will find that you will have a more rich conversation and you will end up with something like it's a win-win because yeah. it's not all about going into a conversation saying what do I need what do I need here and what do I want and how do I get it um, that's a very selfish way of approaching things and it sounds obvious but so many people in business do that. It's what do I need you yes. to do for me right now? But having that different perspective, I think, was very, very valuable. Um, and and I think having, um, I guess, a plan about where it is that you're wanting to take things, whether it's – I mean, I've always been hugely big on planning and marketing mm -hmm. because that's how you make sure that you are um, sticking with the business strategy – and not just doing busy work, but you're actually doing marketing that matters. But having a plan for yourself and for your career, um, and then working out what do you need to do to, to take it there. You know, these are some really valuable skills that I've learnt along the way. And this is this is a topic that has come up with a lot of the conversations I've had with, with some senior leaders through this podcast series. And it's surprised me that there 
observations are that a lot of people do not sit down and think about their career and and have some long-term goals you know long-term being two to five or ten years whatever that means for you do you what, what are your thoughts on that 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 really surprised me I I would have assumed that um, that this is something that professionals tend to do more of than than I've heard through these discussions Look, I can't speak for everybody, um, but certainly my focus was always on planning for the business that I was working for sure. and planning my marketing out and planning the team. And so I am very big on planning. And then it struck me that I hadn't actually planned out anything for myself, um, that all of my energy was going into my role, which is the way I like to work. <laughs> um, but if you don't set out a little bit of time and think about what you want in terms of your career, then you could just um, you could drift. Yes, and I think it's I think it's quite common. And I have a lot of um, coaching and mentoring relationships where I am um, talking to people who are up and coming in the marketing industry, and it is I certainly see it's very common at that level for people to just be focused on their next job. Um, and thinking about how do I get to my next job or how do I get through the tough week I've got coming up and not further ahead. So I certainly try and encourage people to bring the same level of strategic thinking that you have when you approach your job and apply it to yourself. Yeah, I could. It doesn't have to be in micro detail. I'm absolutely not about detailed plans that are going to go into minute detail and, and step out every um, every step that you're going to take. Some people might find that helpful. But I think in this environment, business is fluid, things are changing, things are developing at a rate of knots. And so it would be naive of me to think that I could map out the next 10 years. But I certainly can think about what are some key milestones I want to achieve. And then, you know, I can fill in the detail as they get closer. I'm not one for thinking more than a couple of years out mm. in any detail. Oh, but... but I, I agree with you and, and even thinking about what your CV is going to say in two to five years and thinking about who who in the market you need to know to be getting towards achieving that goal makes makes a massive difference. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Emily, what might people not know about you? I am a closet evening college course fanatic. <laughs> I, Tell me more about that. I, I love learning. I've always loved learning and I love and I've done a, a, a tremendous amount of, um, I guess, career related training and qualifications through uh, through my career, which is great. But I, I always want more. So I have done courses in ceramics, floristry, Swedish massage, silkwork, cake decorating, sewing. <laughs> painting like literally it's my creative outlet oh. and I love going in and just playing with that stuff in a totally um, totally enjoyable environment um, and I can't say it's been hugely useful uh, but I do bring some really awesome cakes to work sometimes <laughs> um, but it, look it's just been fun it's just because I like to learn I like to learn new things all the mm -hmm. time Oh, and, and that sounds like it would bring you a whole lot of joy. 
It does. It it does bring me joy. It makes me. You can probably hear it in my voice. It makes me okay. happy doing all this stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah. So it's my guilty little pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think there's any guilt that should be associated with that at all. It's also just you I, haven't seen my paintings yet, Katie. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Perhaps we'll share a photo or two of them with when when the podcast's published, Emily. <laughs> Okay, all right, this could be the start of a new career that I hadn't planned out. Oh, look, I'll help you market that, shall I? (laughs) Oh, thanks for that. (laughs) Emily, what does Nirvana look like in your career? Um, I... I like to think I'm I'm looking for my next big marketing gig and in that Nirvana marketing gig, I'll be leading and building a team of passionate marketers who get excited like I do and who can deliver amazing creative solutions that deliver business results. So for me, that's in a mid-large corporate, that, but one that values fresh ideas and accountability. Yes. It's not all about talk, talk. Um, it values strategy and strategic thinking. Um, and then for me personally, if there's some opportunity for me to transform the way they work, that would be even better. I'm not um, very big into caretaking a team that's doing well. I always want to look for a challenge and a business that's wanting more from their marketing. So if I could get all of that wrapped up, that would be absolute career nirvana. Oh, I hear you. I don't. I don't take pleasure in the status quo. It's about transforming and doing new things and being a whole lot more impactful. That that um, that really energizes me. Absolutely. And there's always more techniques. Mm. Um, that are becoming hot in marketing and there's always so much more that technology is enabling and um, even getting closer to the customer with human-centered design and things that we haven't done so much of before where it's been more traditional research, although there is still definitely a place for that in my view. There's um, always something new that you can be doing and um, a fresh way of doing the same thing um, that... Yeah, that excites me. I completely agree with you. And I mean, I think that's one one area where diversity of background is is really beneficial in teams. You know, if you're bringing someone from, from digital and from creative and with, with a number of different backgrounds, the end result is always going to be a whole lot richer than, than if you're sitting on your own, putting a strategy together or working with people who all look like you and have the have a, you know have a very similar background to what you do. Absolutely, Kate. I I worked in a um a very small team, um where we did a um a sort of our, our leadership team and we did a disc profile, and this was a team that I loved working as part of. We were really high performing. We had a great time. We had robust conversations, um and really pushed each other. and And I thought we we were really fantastic. And then we did the disc profiling to actually look at which of the quadrants we sat in. Mm-hmm. And amongst the four people that did this this profiling together, we had one person in each of the four quadrants. How and interesting. And to me, that, that was an absolute case in point yeah. about how if you have the different ways of thinking um, and you bring them together, it's just easier to have that you know, those different perspectives, the diversity mm-hmm. of thinking. Yep. And we were absolutely getting better outcomes because of it. I bet um, but it was just such a direct link. It was like, <laughs> oh, you couldn't have planned this better um, if you wanted to build a team of, um, of different people who were going to come together and create some magic. 
And would you say before having done that profiling, would you have would you have guessed that that's about how it, where it would land? I don't know that I would have been so perceptive as to have put one person in each quadrant, but I okay. certainly knew that we had different styles of working. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely knew that we had different perspectives and, yeah, you, you could see that there was a different way of thinking in the team, um, but it was just laid out so beautifully in this, <laughs> this profile. It was like it was meant to be. Ah, oh, that's superb. Love it. Emily, what's the best piece of business advice that you have ever been given? Uh, I, I think I worked with the brilliant Todd Sampson for many years. Oh, he's so clever. So clever. I just loved being locked in room in a room just discussing things with him. And what he was very big on is he always said to focus on crafting the problem statement before you even think about moving on to the strategic solution. Mm -hmm. And years on, I still use that tip because, after all, if you don't understand the problem fully, how can you possibly be sure that you're going to address it with your strategy? Sure. Um, so it, it was really that that strict model of focus on what your problem is first before you go any further. And too often I do see marketers who are busy doing stuff and they're very, very busy, but um, sometimes you just think it's not going to make a difference to the business. Yeah. And to me, focusing your strategy on the thing that matters is absolutely crucial in being effective. And I, I thought his tip was really helpful and, uh, as I said, I still use it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I can think about a few probably similar conversations with with colleagues over the last, well, many years. And there are some that just stick in your head. Um, a colleague of mine or a former colleague of mine who recently moved back to the UK sent me a message on WhatsApp over the, over the weekend saying, I've just finished crafting an email and I was talking about small bite-sized snackable content. And I just thought of you because that's, that's a phrase I use quite a bit when, you know, when talking about a different approaches to um, publishing thought leadership and eminence and you know it, it with full disclosure heard that from uh, a former colleague Rob Steers of mine and, and I remember what the first time I heard it I I sort of thought oh that sounds a bit consultanty and a little bit cheesy but it's it's just on the money you know it's as as people get ever busier and don't have time to sit down and read massive reports or pieces of thought leadership that sort of small bite-sized content that's easy for them to consume you know on a commute or when, when it suits them makes all the difference and I, I love how some some phrases or some discussions just stay with you many years after you've had them. Absolutely and I love that uh, that bite-sized content because not only is it is it absolutely true but the language you've used it creates it paints a picture. It does, absolutely, doesn't it? Absolutely. Anyone immediately knows exactly yeah. what you're talking about when yeah. you describe it that way, and and that's that's kind of where it's great. You can you can describe something, and and you have to be able to help people use it. I mean, for for me with this crafting the problem statement, when I um, when I'm working somewhere, I always make sure that we've got. I, I'm really big on the creative brief that you're going to give your yes. agency. Yes. And so I often. Um, create a new template and one of the first things I always have on the template is what is the problem you are trying to solve mm. um, and I really make sure everyone can articulate what that is 
um, because if you jump straight into we need to do this piece of activity um, and miss why you're already you're already not going to be successful are you absolutely absolutely yeah I couldn't agree more Emily, you're on the board of Dress for Success, who do some really amazing work. I I would love to hear some more about that. Oh, look, I'd love to talk about it. They are such an amazing charity, and I am privileged to serve on the board. Um, essentially, just, Dress just for in Success. Case, yeah, t- tell yeah. tell us about it, just in case any listener. Yeah, don't Dress for Success helps our most disadvantaged women find work by giving them the interview clothing, the employment workshops. Um, coaching, mentoring and really supporting them to be able to find work so that they can support themselves and their family and get that financial independence. And I love um, that it's not just about handouts, it's about helping women support themselves and have that that sustainable future Um, and powered by hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. It's a global charity, it began in New York but um, we're celebrating our 10th year in Sydney this year um, and just helping so many women, and these are, as I say, they're toughest cases, um, who really are struggling to work and they might have been um, survivors of domestic violence. They might be um, suffering some sort of um, prejudice in the workplace due to their ethnicity or their um, being an older worker or being from the LGBTQI community, mm-hmm. it's um, there's there's so many people who need help, and um, it's great, and it speaks to the current hotspots of women's empowerment and sustainability because yeah, all the interview clothing we give them are recycled. Yes, um, but it was also founded before some of those discussions were perhaps perhaps absolutely with trailblazers these women were trailblazers who set up this charity and it's still going strong because it speaks to so many people um because they want to see women succeed they want to see women in the workplace um being able to support themselves and um and we all want to help we want to give back and these are women who need our help um but i i do have to say that without any on government government ongoing government funding we are in need of corporate partners who want to form long-term relationships and be known as a company who supports women in the workplace and sustainability. So I welcome anyone to reach out to me to start a conversation if that's something they think is appropriate for their business. Nice one, Emily. I'll, I'll add some, some notes um, to, to that effect when we, when we publish the podcast because it's Katie. just such a great organisation. Emily, do you have any career advice for our listeners out there? Oh, I always have advice, um, but I think don't don't be satisfied with average. Okay, when you yes. when you've got a tough business problem, that's when you bring your A game, and don't be disheartened. Think really big, but then make it happen. I am a big believer in thinking what could we possibly do that would be awesome, and then how do we actually make it happen? Because if you don't bring your A game and your passion and your fresh thinking. Um, you'll just be doing the same thing that people have been doing from the beginning of time. So don't be okay with that. Really go for it. Yes, this could be words coming out of my mouth. You're very much inspiring me on this Monday morning, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to be of service. (laughs) To myself and many listeners as well. (laughs) Emily, and in closing, what is your favourite song and why? So this is another guilty pleasure. 
Um, there is a song, you, you've probably picked up them. I, I get a little bit excited and passionate when I'm talking about things I care about. Yeah. And I have a song that's been on my high energy playlist since the late nineties, um, <laughs> by Live and Joy called Don't Stop Moving. And it just, when I am in need of a bit of a boost or it is a slow Monday morning and I'm driving to the office uh-huh. I, I put this track on and it just makes me feel so strong um, <laughs> it's for, the, for those who don't recall because uh, it may not have been a massive hit um, but it's uh, oh, okay there's only one way of doing this you can do anything that you want to do put your mind body and soul to it prove it to yourself and say I want I will I can do anything. And it just goes on like that. And it's like, how can you listen to that and not feel like you could take over the world? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think I'm going to add that to my um, my running playlist. Everybody should take that. It is the most motivational song out there. There you go, people. What a fantastic <laughs> way to end the conversation. Emily, I've really enjoyed this discussion. I, uh, you, you've been really generous with with your your advice and, and there have been some really good nuggets in there. So I know that, um, that our listeners are going to feel similarly. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Happy to chat, Katie. Thanks, Emily. And thanks for listening to the Katie Talks podcast with me, Katie Bennett-Stenton. If you enjoyed this episode, please review me on iTunes to to help others find this great content. I have some excellent thought leaders coming up in the series. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I love feedback from listeners. You can find me at Katie B Marketing on Twitter or Katie Bennett-Stenton on LinkedIn.